Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. We're in a series on, um, well, warfare, actually. And it's it might seem like we're going to talk about something other than warfare. In fact, it might have seemed that way for the last few weeks. Has it felt that way, like we're talking about something other than warfare? Oh, good, good. I'm getting a couple of couple of these and a couple of these, and <laughs> um, so you, just to get us back where we were. Warfare is about authority, right? Um, warfare is about who stands in the place of authority, who has standing, and who can execute that authority. It's God's plan. Do you know that um, your most holy desire is power? Somebody probably shuddered because in our Chris, you know, you're supposed to keep keep your head down and and uh, be a slave of the Lord or whatever. And and what's been done with power? Why do we instantly think that? Well, that's not holy. To want to be powerful, that's not holy. And I'll tell you why we why we kind of think that instantly. It's because of what man's done with power. It's because power is abused. You know that power was never. God never intended for power in man to be used over each other. It was never intended. You're not supposed to have power over another person. God's intention was that they're a dominion holder in the earth too, right? So it doesn't make sense that power is, is to be exerted over others. And that's why we instantly have a negative feeling or a negative reaction when we talk about power. Right, But it is actually one of the most holiest inclinations that you have to be powerful. He never meant for his sons and daughters to be powerless or to be able to be abused freely by others. He means for you to be healthy. He means for you to think of yourself the way he thinks of you. I mean, think about it, parents in here. Think about it. If, you're, if your children were in situations where um, they were powerless. They were being abused, misused. Um, a parent rushes in and, and instills power in their children, right? It's not okay for you to be treated like that. You're a son. Of, this is what I'd be telling my son. You're a son of God. You're the most power. I tell him, you're the most powerful thing on earth because when Jesus is in you, you're supposed to be powerful, <laughs> right? Um, so um, we're going to talk about that. The last few weeks we've been on authority, and I just want to touch that quickly um, because actually let's read this verse first. Um, Luke chapter 9 and verse 1. I think we've read this for many weeks in a row because the Lord's really just blazed some things on my heart concerning this. He says, Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. What did he send, send them to preach? The kingdom of God. That's Our message is always the kingdom. Do you know that? Jesus always sends them to tell them the good news of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. But here, um, what we'll note, and I'll just say this again, he grants power and authority. This is a warfare verse. And power and authority are not the same thing. Are you, all, you all are on that page now, right? After several weeks. Authority is inherent in your identity. Okay? The, 
the son of a king, a prince, um, does not need to do something to get their authority. It's, it's in the birthright. It's in the inheritance. Your, your identity, um, your identity in God carries its own authority as a son of God. Amen? You can't do anything to increase your authority or decrease it. It just is. As you're in Christ, you have authority. Now, what we're going to talk about this morning, and we've been talking about, is this, does that just align with what we've been doing for about two weeks or something now? Okay, but now I want to tell you that this power is another matter, and we're going to look at that. Power, um, do you know um, that you, you can be completely authorized? You can have all the authority that God wants you to have and still be completely incompetent and powerless. <laughs> you know that? That's why he gives them um, authority and power. Power is the ability, the effectiveness to, to execute or carry out your authority. Does that make sense? See, you, it's hard to note it on Jesus, to be honest with you, because when you, when you read about his ministry, you read about his life, you never see inconsistencies in his power. Now, me, on the other hand, I spend far more time being, and we're going to talk about this, far more time being powerless and trying to learn how to walk in the power I'm supposed to walk in. Um, but you don't see that in Jesus' ministry. He was absolutely consistent. And so his power and authority are just like this. It's hard to separate the two on him. And I believe that as, what do we always say here? God is moving us from glory to glory. Do you know that the word glory means weight? He's moving you from one who can carry, carry a greater and greater weight. We talk about this all the time here. What is that weight? Part of the weight is the power to execute the authority that is inherent in your identity as a son of God. You see, I find, and, and we have to start here, I find, and I'll just speak about myself, I find after, you know, decades being in healing ministry and uh, inner healing ministry and all, all kinds of things like that, I know that usually when you find a lack of power, you find people that are powerless in the warfare, people that are powerless to carry out the things that Jesus' words in this book tell us you're supposed to be able to carry out as a son of God, the first thing you can generally note, and this is true in my own life, is that there's an identity problem. It actually started with authority, my, my concept of my authority, my standing, who I am in Christ. There's a wound, there's something that, that strikes against my identity, and so therefore you see a great powerlessness in a situation or in an area of my life. Can anybody relate? You see, that's the starting block, and I'm still just kind of in review. The starting block is if you don't have the identity, if you need healing in broken place, places that lie about who you are, then you don't even have the foundation for power because it begins with authority. And there is only one throne. All authority only comes from one place. There's lots of false authority. I mean, we can, we can be authorized to do anything. Um, but we're not interested. Even Jesus himself, now here I go. Even Jesus himself said, um, what did he say? He said, um, I can do nothing apart from my Father. Now we're talking about 
eternal God. Jesus is, um, he's a man like we are, but I mean, we're talking about eternal God said, I can do nothing apart from my father. Now, he could have went and made a sandwich. So, I mean, what's he saying? He could have, he could do something, but what he's saying is, I could do nothing of significance. I could do nothing real because all authority only comes from the courts of heaven. <laughs> and where do you come from? <laughs> that's right. That's it. That's it. So that's authority. Okay? Today, now power, what I'm going to tell you today is it's something that's learned. Power is learned by walking in your authority. And I'm going to show you that in the Word of God. Um, I want to talk about one more thing before we really, and then we're going to go fast. Um, sorry about that. Maybe we'll do it twice or something, but I have so much to say, and we're going to go through a lot of Scripture, okay, um, that I want to tell you, um, if you've known me for any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about poverty mindset. How many of you have heard me bring this up before? Okay, good. Usually when I bring it up, I'm talking about how we think about um, stewarding resources. I mean, literally money or like this church owns various properties. Well, that's something that we're responsible to steward, right? And often I'm talking about you, you can have a poverty mindset where where you, your starting place or where you begin from does not take into account that we serve a God who made and owns everything, who's not limited in any resource. If you start from any other untruth, then you probably have a poverty mindset and, and you're, not, you're not setting yourself up to be one who is going as far as to, to the highness of your high calling. You know, you have a high calling. Okay, I just want to say, I want to take that to something even more significant than our time, our money, our property. Have you ever thought about poverty mindset in terms of power? I believe we do the same thing. I believe we think we get used to being powerless. I mean, we pray prayers like, um, you know, and I don't mean to be derogatory. If this is you, just let me say you're, uh, me too. I'm, I'm walking right there with you, okay? So don't be offended. But we pray prayers like, oh, you know, Lord, could you just, someone's sick, someone's sick, and oh, we just, we beg you, Lord, if you, you know, could, if, it, if you want to, if you could just heal the sickness. And we, we have poverty mindset in terms of the way that he means for us to be powerful. So I'm going to start by going to his very words. Um, and in fact, I'm going to look at two versions of the Great Commission. And I think we're going to look at it a little different than maybe, maybe we have before. Um, in fact, before I do that, go to John 16. I feel like we need to do one more. Verse 12, Jesus' words here. And he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Now keep your finger there. I think I'm going to keep reading a little bit. But, but listen to God's words over you. This, this is Jesus. You know, Jesus always has many things to say to you. Do you know that? And, and his words are creational. The reason he speaks to you, he speaks upon you, is because he's, he's bringing you into the warrior that wins this warfare. He's bringing you into one who carries the weight of his glory as his representative. Okay, so he's got many things to say, but isn't he gracious and good? He, he tells us as we're able to bear it. 
But we should never lose sight of the fact that he still has many things to say to us. Are you following me? You, I'm convinced we're going to do it for eternity. Go ahead and disagree with me if you want, but I don't think you can get to the bottom of God or the top of God, and you're always going to be moving. His invitation to share in his glory is not going to stop for eternity, and he's always going to have many things to say to you, and you're going to spend the rest of eternity bearing a greater and greater weight of his glory as a son of God. Okay, that's, that's powerful. Go ahead and say, I'm made for power. Anybody feel guilty or like, ooh, that sounds evil? <laughs> it's not. It's a holy desire to, to want to share in all the power that God has planned in the authority of your calling. Goes on and says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. You have things to come. He's got many things to speak as you can bear them. And lately, the prayer of my heart, well, I'll just make this quick. <laughs> lately, I've just more and more, the prayer of my heart has been, Make me into someone that can actually bear what you have to say to me. Because I'm like, you got many things to say? Well, I'm going, well, I want them. <laughs> Does anybody else want them? That means that we're ever walking with him to a place where we can bear more of what he has to say to us. <laughs> Hold on to your butts, world. I mean, I'm telling you, if we ever got a handle on the power and authority that he means for us to walk in, it, it would blow this, this world away. In fact, that's his game plan. That's his plan to make the enemy look silly. You, full of power and authority from the courts of heaven. Okay, now I want to put to death once and for all the poverty mindset on the issue of power. So um, go with me to uh, Mark 16. And verse 14. This is one time where Jesus is giving the Great Commission. We call it. I don't, I don't, he never calls it that, but I think he. You know what the Great Commission is? Yours. <laughs> That's the one that would concern me more than anything else. You know, each and every one of you, you have a Great Commission. You have an identity. You know, Jesus doesn't call us to do, he calls us to be who we are. Being who you are is, is the vessel through which authority and power flow for the advancement of the kingdom which glorifies him. That's it. But here's the Great Commission. Here's the general version. It's very informative, even, even this general version. <laughs> In verse 14, it says, Later he, he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. Now listen, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he'd risen. Now keep a finger there, but I, I've got to say, um, you notice that he, he actually does two things, right? Here, he, re, or he rebukes two things. There's a rebuke. One is unbelief, and the other is hardness of heart. Now we taught on hardness of heart here, I think it was like a year and a half ago. Do you all remember that series? Anyone? You remember what hardness of heart is? Hardness of heart, I'm just going to say it quickly. Um, hardness of heart is when you see God, you see his activity, 
You see what he's doing. You're witness to evidence, and you still say, ah, I don't believe it. All right. That's hardness of heart. In every single case, starting with Pharaoh, probably be starting before Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's the greatest example. Hardness of heart. Whenever you hear Jesus say it, it's when you, you're actually privileged to seeing the movement of God, seeing what he's doing, and you still go, nah, that's hardness of heart. And it, it never goes well, um, in case you're wondering. Um, and then there's unbelief. Now, here's what I want to tell you. It's easy to, to say that this is a scripture just about these guys in this moment right after Jesus defeated hell and was resurrected from the dead. But I tell you, there's a, there's a spiritual truth here that we're supposed to see. There's a rebuke for unbelief and hardness of heart, and specifically over what? They didn't believe those um, who had seen him after he'd risen. Now listen to me. I want to tell you we're, doing, we're still doing the same thing. We are. It's, I mean, we believe that he was raised from the dead and our faith is in him. But I'm going to tell you, when we don't believe all that he said comes with the fact that he defeated hell and rose from the dead, we're doing the same thing. There's a rebuke there in terms of unbelief of all that he said is part of me being risen from the dead. Does that make sense? Verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's kind of weighty. <laughs> That's a big responsibility. Preach the good news to every creature. Um, now, here's the important thing to note, and we're going to see this as I move forward through some scriptures. You remember that last week we were talking about, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, so I send you. So, in like manner, in other words, in exactly the same way, filled with the Spirit, authorized from the courts of heaven with all the power and sufficiency you need, as the Father sent me, I send you. Jesus says, we also talked about, um, Jesus says, I take of what is mine and I give it to you, right? So, I'm going to tell you, that's, that's assumed in this verse. You have to know when he says go, when he says go to you, he's saying just like I go, you go, okay? In, in that manner, in the same manner with authority. So listen, let me tell you what we do. I'm just going to make up an example here, okay? So like um, someone would say, I don't, know, I don't know why that guy doesn't believe God is a deliverer. I told him God's a deliverer. Yeah, he was riddled with demons for the next 15 years of his life, but I told him God was the deliverer. Are you following me? You see, the, what was the first thing they said? Jesus was baptized, led into the desert, um, led into the, to the desert by the Spirit of God to have his first warfare victories. He appears back on the scene, and immediately, what do the religious people say? They go, whoa, he's one who teaches with authority. You see, in that manner, the, how do we go? We go, we preach the kingdom as one with authority because we're supposed to go, we're sent in the same way he's sent, right? Of course that guy, if he's going to be riddled by demons for 10 years, he's not going to believe God's a deliverer. Are you tracking with me? But if we go, if we go in like manner as Jesus went, we go as one with authority. You see why identity is so important. 
if you don't even believe having authority is part of your identity in Christ, we got a real foundational problem from the get-go. Because one who teaches as one with authority is one who goes to people and says, be delivered from the demon. Now you've got a deliverer. I mean, I mean to say, now you've got a believer. <laughs> Someone who's set free believes. Job done. Whew, that was hard work. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the authority. That's the power. And in this story is not just authority. You're already authorized. Let's make no mistake. Evil is defeated, period. Your, your authority is complete. The word of God doesn't mince words on this. Authority is finished. <laughs> Walking, learning to walk in the power that executes the authority is a whole nother matter. It's a lifelong learning process and intimacy, and I'm going to show you that. Okay, go to Matthew 28. And uh, verse 16. Nah, don't do that. Um, go back to Mark 16 and, um, and verse 17. I really need to keep reading because what we're doing is putting to death <laughs> the poverty mindset when it comes to heaven's power through you. Okay, so we got to do this. Um, so... In verse 17, he says, and these signs will follow those who believe. I'm going to keep reading, but who, who gets those signs? Okay, what are signs? Signs are authority executed. They're power. That's signs, okay? And he says, in my name, they will cast out demons. Say, I'm supposed to cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Say, I'm supposed to have new tongues. They will take up serpents. Now, we could preach for like three weeks on that, but um, we won't this morning. That's just, that is authority and power over the demonic. You don't get to, darkness doesn't get to win anymore. That's what that is. Um, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's Jesus' words. Okay, I don't want to get into like a Pentecostal versus the Presbyterians or something. I'm just saying those are Jesus' words before we made any denominations. He always planned on, before, did you catch, before we made any denominations. That was, it was always his idea that you would not be powerless when you set out to glorify him. <laughs> okay, all right, now go to Matthew 28 and 16. Verse 16. And this is really, if, um, if I've been too excited to, to keep you tracking so far, just I'm going to slow down for one minute and I want you to get this. This is really um, God, this is God's word for this morning right here, okay? Verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. Now, I want you to notice this words. He's about to give the Great Commission again. Okay, that's the context. And I want you to notice that he appointed a mountain. Now, I'm going to tell you what this mountain, it was the mountain that he appointed for them. And I tell you, he's got places that he's appointed for you. What this mountain is, this is, you see, we get it backwards. 
we think that the low place, you know, get down on our knees, the low places where we're in intimacy with him and then where we're out there exhibiting the signs and wonders and glorifying God, that's the mountaintop. And I tell you, we got this backwards. He appointed a place of intimacy for them to learn of him, to learn how we walk in a power. And it's actually down in the valley, in the valley of the shadow of death where the warfare is that we exhibit the power and glorify God out here in the world, okay? And this says that they went away into Galilee to the mountain which he'd appointed for them. See, and and let me just say this. We're going to keep reading here, but um, I think to some degree we avoid the secret place that he's appointed for us sometimes. Why do we do that? Because... In that place of intimacy, in that secret place that he's appointed for us, is, is that place where we're, we're intimate with him. It's the place where we bring our vulnerability. And we're going to see this. It's the place where um, the, the raw wound is, is just <laughs> open there for him. Our doubts and our fears are just open to him. It's the place where we actually learn from him to... To, to walk, to, to utilize the power that is in the authority of our identity. You see, do you know that, um, uh-oh, do you know that um, when you try to walk your calling out of your past, you sell your authority you give away your power. Do you know that? Why can I say that? This, this should probably be a whole sermon series, but I'm just feeling led to do it right now. So here we go. You know, Jesus said, what? You're born again, right? The old man dies, the new man, the new man is born, a, a new creature. He says, you're a new creation. So when we try to walk in the authority of a calling, or you like, whether you're praying for somebody, I don't care what you're doing. When you try to participate in the power of the kingdom that God says is supposed to be yours, and your past is, you're doing it from an identity that is identity past, it's absurd. Of course, that's powerless. Has anybody ever experienced it? Okay, you're you're living. You bring you bring wounds from the old man into what is supposed to be the authority and the power of your calling, and it 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 will shut it down. <laughs> Why? You don't own your pa- you don't get to have it anymore. One of the things that you say. <laughs> One of the things that you necessarily say when you give your life to Christ is that I have no rights to my past anymore. That man dies. That man's covered in the blood of Christ. If we try to minister from that person, we're dead in the water. Because he never promised to fill the old man with the Spirit. (laughs) He never promised to give the old man any power. So you bring shame, you bring guilt, you bring doubt, you bring woundedness into the authority of your new identity. It's, it's dead in the water. There is no power there. He purchased that person. <laughs> That's, he owns that. You don't get to have it anymore. Where am I? All right, verse 18. (laughs) And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me 
in heaven and on earth. Now, I'm going to tell you, there, there's an aspect here where you could almost go, if that was the last sentence and the next verse doesn't come, you could almost go, big deal. <laughs> right? I'm glad you got a bunch of authority and power. Right? What's, what's Most of my experience is not walking in all that much power. It seems like I'm pretty powerless. I pray, and I'm pretty powerless, I, you know? So you read this, I'm, I'm glad all authority has been given to me. In fact, you know, I think that we don't have any trouble believing that, do we? I believe Jesus has all the authority. Big deal, good for you. <laughs> right? But it doesn't stop there. It's important to notice that he, he follows that with verse 19, and he says, go therefore. Okay, there's a big assumption here. All authority has been given to me. Go, therefore. What does that tell you? I take of what is mine, and I give it to you. It is so holy to desire all the power that he wants you to have. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want you to notice this phrase, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Now, it's very easy in our world because people have abused power on us, haven't they? Is there anybody in the room that that hasn't happened to? <laughs> Good, I was afraid we were going to have to throw somebody out. This is, right? Um, so what we do with that is we think that he, what he's doing is laying out for us, like if we're going to participate in this power and authority, this big old mission, this high calling, then we're going to have to follow a whole bunch of commands and stuff. <laughs> and I want to tell you, that's not what's going on here. You have to realize, at the time that Jesus made this statement, okay, and he's saying, observe, what does it say? Observe all the things that I've commanded you. He lived at a time when the rabbinical law was out of control, I mean, that's exactly what they were doing. In fact, you can read passages where, where he, um, he attacks the Pharisees over their oppressive behavior. They've created, um, I wish I knew the number. I don't know the number. They created, I think, thousands of commands and laws that no man could possibly ever follow them all. And they, they made them up. I mean, they had books of laws. That's the context that he says, says this in. And uh, can you think of times when Jesus like barked commands at them? Like, do this, do that. Now, there are cases. There are. I mean, um, well, for example, concerning power, he does say, here's, here's a command he barked. He said, stay in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. <laughs> There's one. But that, that was a pretty rare occurrence. Mostly, what is this saying? What, they're to observe all the things that he's commanded them. What did he command them? He lived a life in front of them. Okay, that was the command. The command was, I'm going to send you out exactly as I was sent out. You've seen the way I've done it. You walk, you've learned of me. You've learned how you walk in a power. And, and how did he do it? Let's just put this out there. I mean, seriously, how, how did he walk in such a consistency of power? 
He went to see his father. How many times do you read in the scriptures that he went up on the mountain? He snuck out of the crowd and went around up on the mountain. He did it again and again. He'd go up on the mountain and he'd come down in power. He'd go up on the mountain, he would come down in the valley of the shadow of death and begin to execute the power through the authority of his calling, through his identity everywhere he walked. Cast out demons, heal the sick, open blind eyes, and then he would go back on the mountain. Even Jesus himself, God himself, ministered as a spirit-filled man who knew that he would not carry the power that God meant for him to carry if he didn't go and spend his time with his father on the mountain. So, I mean, the first thing really I want to tell you, you want to walk in power? How many of you want to walk in the power of the kingdom? Then its power is found in the place on the appointed for you, in the place of intimacy. Jesus is sitting in a place of intimacy appointed for you, waiting to teach you of himself, waiting to teach you of the power that he means for you to walk in. He does not mean for you to be powerless. (laughs) Okay, I think I can still do this. Is this good? Okay, go to Luke 10. And we'll start in verse 17. I want to tell you what we're going to do now. We're going to look at a bunch of hoodlums who, who walked with Jesus in intimacy to learn to walk in the authority and power. Um, and, and the pattern of, he said, take this. Um, right there in the commission, what was he saying? Go teach disciples everything I've commanded you. If you look in 2 Tim 2, um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, you'll read where Paul's doing exactly what he said. He's following that pattern. He's committing to other men all the things they've observed of Jesus, all the things they've learned walking in intimacy. He's, he's following that pattern. Now, Paul had a past. Uh-oh, now I'm going to blow that. Paul had a past, right? How many of you um, have, you, you feel like God's calling you into something at some points in your life? You feel like you're supposed to be walking in an authority. You're supposed to be reaching up, taking a, a power from the courts of heaven and using it for dying people, for people who need some power over their life, but like some guilt or some shame from your past riddles it and shuts it down. Have you ever... Um, good, I'm not the only one. There's three other people in here that have experienced that. <laughs> That's good. So, but think about Paul, okay? This is the guy who's entrusting to other men. And I don't know what you've done, and the truth is I really don't want to know, because that man is dead, okay? You don't even own it anymore. He doesn't think about it, so neither should you, okay? Except for to heal what, what he reveals that's getting in the way. Do that, um, But what I want to tell you, has anybody um, organized bands of people to go out and slaughter Christians? Okay, then. You've got somebody, a very, somebody who walked in the power and authority of the kingdom who's got a past that's even a little bit messier than yours. You're good. You see, he, that, Paul's life in that regard illustrates that for us. The freedom from that you cannot minister out of the old man. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, you can't. You could try. 
I don't recommend it. I've done it before, and it gets ugly really fast. You bring in all this weakness of your own and all this stuff. You, it gets really ugly. causes problems. Okay, Luke 10. What I'm going to do is contrast something, hopefully quickly for you. Otherwise, we'll just take it into the next one. But um, It says, Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, what I want you to see, I'm going to keep reading a little bit here, but what I want you to see right, right out of the chute here is um, these are guys who experienced the authority and power. They're coming back going, even the demonics got nothing on you, Lord. And when you sent us in the authority of a calling, we went out and it worked. <laughs> They're having that experience, okay? And he goes, let's read verse 18, and it says, And he said to them, I saw... Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Now, I kind of went full circle. I went back to the beginning, but it's because I'm going to move some more now and contrast that. With something, Just notice here that it's all about identity. If you got your identity, um, there's nothing you don't have. <laughs> because you're, you're a son of God. Your, your identity is not just like, well, um, you're Elmo. Your identity is, is intended, it's designed by a good father who's got, who's got a high calling that if you could see the whole thing, you'd probably run out of here. Because it would blow your mind. If you could see your whole calling. He's got many things to say to you. But he'll wait till you can bear it. Okay? Lord, make me into somebody who can bear what you've got to say. Okay, now go to Mark 9. And I'm going to, this is long, but I, this is so worth it. We just, out of obedience, we have to do this. So here's the disciples again. And remember, these are guys who've been out there doing it. They've been exerting the power of God. They've been executing the authority of their calls. And it says, um, verse, uh, verse 14, excuse me. Okay, it says, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately they saw him. All the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him, and he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? I want to tell you, this is, I'm just going to set this up a little bit. This is kind of like the parenting moment. Um, I think he knows what they're discussing. This is like when, you, when a parent like busts a kid doing something wrong and you come in the room and you go, what have you been doing? I think it's that. Do you know that one? I've spent most of my life being the kid in that scenario where I'm like, oh, here we go again. Um, I think that's what he's doing. What, what you guys talking about? <laughs> then one of the crowd answered and said, teacher, and then there's always this guy. <laughs> answered and said, teacher, I brought you my son. Um, who has a mute spirit, and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down 
Um, and he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Okay, there's always that guy. What have you guys been talking about? And then the tattletale starts talking, and you're like, oh, great, he's going to, they're going to say everything. You're going to tell them I couldn't do it. <laughs> Thank you. Right? That, you know that's how they had to be feeling. Like, can somebody shut this guy up? Like, we, we didn't even have to tell him that that went on. If we would be quiet. <laughs> Maybe, is it, is it, am I the only one who sees the story that way? <laughs> it might say something about my life. I don't know. Uh-uh. So verse 19, and he answered him and said, O oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. So, so look, here in this public setting and stuff like that, there, there is a rebuke, right? And I, I just want you to notice that's important because I'm going to show you in a minute where there is no rebuke. But here, there, there is a rebuke. That's, that's pretty hard words. Yeah, faithless generation. Give me a break, guys. Okay, um, so go to verse 21. I think I might have skipped a little. Um, it says, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he says to him, now listen to this, from childhood. And often he's thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion, have compassion on us and help us. So, so the father says, if you can do anything... Now, I just have to think just next. Well, let me read it. Just next, verse 23. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, I personally think, if you meditate on this and you think about these are real people, not just, not just words in the best-sold book. These are real people, right? So um, I think when the guy says, if, Jesus is going, if? <laughs> if I can do anything? Really? If? And so what does he do? He gives an, he gives an if statement back. <laughs> he throws it. This is a strong, but we've got to quit seeing Jesus like, well, I should be careful. we just got to see Jesus like he is, okay? Jesus was a rough, tough, authority-walking, power-wielding guy who was not afraid to give a rebuke. Let's just say that, <laughs> okay? And here he throws it back and he says, if you can believe, all things are possible to you. He's an accountability kind of guy. <laughs> Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Notice that Jesus didn't go, oh, father, if you don't mind, just this one time, it would be great if you would cast this demon out he spoke to the demon he he was a man who had authority in his identity exactly like you're supposed to who went on the mountain in the place appointed for him in the place of intimacy he got his power so so that when he was confronted with the moments he spoke to the demon and said get out okay that's i'm just telling you and and you're sent as he was sent he takes what was his and he gives it to you Now, here's the real reason we're reading this. Let's see where I'm at. Go to verse 28, okay? 
And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? And I'll show you something. This is the place on the mountain appointed for them. Are you getting this? This is the place of intimacy. In public, when, in, in the public sphere where the warfare was happening, there was rebuke. In the private place, I'm going to show you what happens next. In the private place, I'll just tell you up front, there's no rebuke. Now, I'm going to tell you, I've spent most of, <laughs> most of my life in this place of frustration where I went out there. These were guys who have cast out demons before, and it didn't work out this time. And they got a little public scolding and, and stuff there. Uh, out There was rebuke in the, in the public sphere. Here, it says his disciples asked him privately. They've moved into the secret place. They moved in the, into the place of intimacy of a discipler with their master. And I'll tell you that I believe that he purposely plans these things in our life. Why? Because he is a discipler and he does mean for you to walk into a place of power, which is a learned thing. It is learned in intimacy with your master. It is learned in intimacy how to walk in power. Isn't that what this question is? Why didn't we have the power to do what you've authorized us to do? You sent us out to go do this. Why didn't that work out? How many times I've prayed healing for people. And in a place of frustration, I end up back in this place of intimacy. My Savior draws me back to the secret place where I go, Lord, <laughs> why didn't that work out? You've told me I have a healing gift. You've told me I'm supposed to be filled with power. Now, I'm going to show you what happens next, and this is, this is so, so important. Okay, the next verse, verse 29. So, actually, verse 28. So, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? Verse 29. So, he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now listen, we could probably preach for months on what his answer was, but I just want you to notice this this morning. In the, in the secret place, on the mountain that, he'd appoint, that he appoints for us, there's an answer. Forget about what the answer is just this morning and go study it later. I just want you to notice that in the, in the place of intimacy... When we say, why didn't that work out? Why is this like this? How come I don't have the power I'm supposed to have? We ask those questions in our intimacy. I just want you to see he, has an he gave an answer. Do you notice there is no rebuke in the secret place? In fact, he just tells them the answer. A very informative, learn how to walk in power answer <laughs> is given in the, in the private place. In intimacy. You see, Jesus walked with a consistency of power because he had a consistency of meeting in the appointed place on the mountain. He had a consistency of intimacy with his Father. It's the place you bring your questions. Now, I want you to notice something else. If they were not out there ministering, if they were not walking in an obedience where they were out there in the authority of this call, doing the things that, that God was 
calling them to step out, to risk in faith in God, to execute the power of the kingdom, they wouldn't have had this question. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're not, if you first don't have some handle on the greatness of your identity in Christ, on the highness of your high calling in him, as one who's supposed to be authorized and empowered to walk a calling, you're not going to have much to talk about in the secret place. Are, are you tracking with me? They have this question because they have a very good sense. They, Jesus has given them a fairly intact sense of the fact that they're supposed to be out there walking in authority, executing the power of the kingdom of God. It's, it's inherent in the question, is it not? Why could we not cast it out? It carries the assumption that they should have been able to. There's a lot of faith and belief there. There's a lot of risking in the public fear. Step, there's a lot of risking in where the warfare is and stepping up as one who says, Jesus told me I, I have power over the demonic. And they, they had to do this thing in order to bring this question to the secret place. And it's in the secret place that he does not have rebuke. He's got a loving intimacy where he's eager to give you the answer. Okay. Um. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm, I'm probably going to keep preaching on this. Is this good? I, do y'all want to grow in power? Do you believe that you're supposed to walk in power? Okay. All right. We're, we're going to keep teaching on this, I think. But for today, the first place I want to start is I just want to tell you, and, and you know this, you've heard this a thousand times, I'm going to tell you anyway. And, um, and we're going to actually ask the Holy Spirit just really quickly to reveal something. Um, he does have appointed places for you, okay? He's appointing both. He's appointing the places where you're to be out there with power in your hands because he wants you to wield that power for his glory. And, but he's also got these places where you, you learn of him, where you ask the questions and you find out, you find out what went wrong. You find out why I'm not executing the, the power and the authority that you mean for me to have. Now, um, this is what um, I believe is on my heart. And I was, I was going to do this over the Lord's Supper, but actually I just want to keep this, I just want to keep this separate while we're right here. Um, in just a moment, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you if you're comfortable, close your eyes, relax, invite the Spirit to reveal something to you. And I believe that, at least for some of us, if not every person in the building, he wants to appoint a place. He wants to make a standing appointment with you. Okay? I know you have appointments. You have intimacies with him. You do your Bible studies and your things. But I believe for some, he wants to appoint a place for you to meet with him. Has anybody got questions they need to take to him? Okay, go ahead and I'm just going to pray. Go ahead and close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. Take some deep breaths. Holy Spirit, we ask that your presence um, would become very, very real to us 
right now. We know that you are always present. We thank you that you are always with us. And your love never leaves us. But we ask now that you would come in reality. We are, we are quieting ourselves to hear your voice. And Jesus, we ask you to reveal a place, an appointed place that you invite them to come and meet with you, to have a standing appointment. place may be a feeling that he wants to invite you to meet with him there. It may actually be a place. If he's shown you an actual place on the mountain, let him show you the details, any details he wants you to see. Okay, I want you to ask him one more thing. If you're one who's got, he's got this place and he's shown you something, I want you to ask him when or how frequently he wants, he, he wants to have this appointment with you. How frequently does he want you to meet with him here? We thank you, Father, that in this, in the secret place, in the intimate place, is the place where you just have love, that you have no rebuke in that place for us. We thank you, Lord, for the open invitation to bring you our questions. And what we want to say to you, Lord, is that we are hungry to learn of you. We want to know how you so consistently walked in power, and we want to follow your example. We want to have all the power that you have planned for us so that we can begin to change the hurting lives, um, starting with our own <laughs> and our families and our communities. We ask for blessing over Teller County that you're going to be in this intimate place as we're faithful to meet with you and our appointment with you there, that you would begin teaching us how to walk in a power that's going to go out over Teller County, out over Colorado, and all the places that we go so that you are being glorified. And we repent for the fact that, um, for a lack of belief that you have power for us. We repent for believing lies about our identity. We repent for leaving power on the table as if it's not something for us to be desired, even though you've told us to walk in that power. And we trust your love. We trust your faithfulness. We trust that you are going to fill us evermore, carrying a greater weight of glory. In the name of Jesus, 
Amen. Okay. Thank you, Brian. We are going to have the Lord's Supper today. Um, I invite you to come on up um, like we've been doing both sides of the table. He said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is the reason you don't get to have your past anymore. You don't get to minister from a dead guy. <laughs> you can only minister from the living person that Jesus made alive. His body was broken. His blood was spilled to cover the old person. Father, we ask a blessing on this meal and I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to work um, all the things that you've spoken in hearts during this time of intimacy, that you'd continue to speak into that in the name of Jesus.